the face of it, they miss the history, but they fight all the place in it. Yeah, they fight all the place in it. What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 48.0. We are covering uh, part of the year of the RPG. Uh, A pretty big game. A game uh, that came out a while back called Persona 4. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei. Persona 4, particularly we're playing the golden version. Uh, and today I have with me Sophie Holiday. Hello. As well as my cohort, Matt Quinn. Hello, friends. So, yeah, Persona 4. Um, game came out originally on the PlayStation 2 uh, in uh, 2008, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, July 10th, 2008. Um it was kind of a much anticipated sequel because everybody, a lot of people loved Persona 3. And also, it was that late in the life cycle game where there's not as many games coming out. Yeah. For the PS2. So it felt even bigger, I think, than it might have. It was because, I mean, I'm, I remember at that time I had already had a. Um, I'm pretty sure I already had a, a 360 by that time. And I'm, I think I already had a. A um, PlayStation 3 at the time. In fact, I think I played this game on my PlayStation 3. Let me find out here. Because I can tell you. I'm looking up Metal Gear Solid 4. Because that is when I purchased... My PlayStation 3. Uh, Yes! I had already purchased a. Uh, in fact, it came out a month after Metal Gear Solid Four came out. Mm. It'd so, be kind of weird, yeah. like if Persona Five came out now on the PS3. It actually is, I think. In Japan, it's coming out on PS3 and PS4. I think it's only on PS4 in the United States. I could be wrong though. Uh, and then on top of that, they released a updated version for the PlayStation Vita called Persona 4 Golden, which came out in October 23rd, 2012, day before my birthday, uh, in 2012. Um, and that's the version that we're all playing, um, which is kind of like a, it's a slightly updated version with, I think, new personas, new social links, and there is a new, like, kind of final chapter at the end of the game. That kind of wraps stuff up. Um, but like we do with all new, new series, I actually do want to talk about um, our history with this uh, game in particular. And um, you know what, Matt? Let's uh, start with you. What's your history with Persona 4? Yeah, my my history with Persona 4 was a bit sputtery. Mm-hmm. So I, was, I think I'm pretty sure at the time I was interested in it. I already had Persona 3, but... We hadn't played Persona 3 yet, so I I just looked this up before we recorded, 
Uh, we recorded the last episode of our Zombie Frog Game Club for Persona 3. Uh-huh. February 24th, 2010. Okay. So just about six years ago. Jesus but, Christ. <laughs> yeah, almost exactly six years ago. But it was also about two years after Persona 4 came out. So I remember picking up Persona 4 early because for me, and, and I've said this on a bunch of episodes, at, you know, at that time I wasn't that big into RPGs, especially the whole fantasy aesthetic. Mm-hmm. But when Persona 3 came out to me, it was like a revelation for RPGs. I adored Persona 3. And I, I remember the ads of per- Persona 4, and when I bought the game, I played uh, almost 20 hours of it before I stopped saying maybe I should finish Persona 3 before I continue to play Persona 4. Right. But I already loved Persona 3, and then when I started Persona 4, I'm like, this is as good as Persona 3, but with a better story. Yeah. Or at least a, a more grounded story. It's a... You know, here we are, you know, in the first hour or so, oh, it's a murder mystery, as opposed to the weird, you know, to me, you know, very anime idea of this hidden hour, the dark hour, yeah, where everybody turns into coffins and, you know, we're the only people that are alive. Like, that's a very interesting concept. That's crazy. It's not particularly a strong story start on its own. Yeah. So what really drew me into four initially was that, Murder mystery hook. Uh, and yeah, I, I played about 20 hours. I got basically about to where we're recording today. Okay. And then I stopped and said, I'm going to go back to Persona 3. Yeah. Okay. But I, I love Persona 3 and, I, and I've loved Persona 4 so far. All right. And uh, Sophie, how about you? What's your history with Persona 4? Uh, non-existent. Okay. So this is the first time you've ever touched it. Never played a Persona game, don't really know anything about a Persona, it was just not on my radar at all, yet first time I've ever played it. But you've, you've heard of Persona before? Um, like, as of recently, like, I, when the Vita game came out, I kind of, you know, I was looking for something to play on my Vita, so I kind of had a bit of a glance at it. Right. But then, obviously, it was the fourth game, and it looked a bit kind of bizarre. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you kind of hear about Persona being a bit kind of a, a unique, let's just say unique yeah. kind of game verse. And I thought, hmm, not sure if this is for me. Don't know if I'm interested in this right now. And then just never bothered to pick it up. So, yeah, no, I'm completely new to Persona. So hopefully this will be. Well, certainly if you're. Chat. Certainly, if you were on the fence, the reviews of Persona 4 Golden would have would have been one point in its favor, right? Yeah. Possibly, yeah. But I just think, I don't know, it's not a game that, for whatever reason, when I was reading about the contents of it, that immediately I thought, I have to play this game right now. Um, and I think it's going to be cool talking about it with you guys, because I think, like, you've obviously, you guys have quite a history with the, the series, and you, you played the, the series a long time ago, and... When I talk about games like that, I always have the nostalgia factor as well. So mm. I think it's going to be quite interesting in terms of how we kind of how I feel about the game compared to how you guys feel about the game. Right. Because I have no kind of bias about it whatsoever. You know, I'm gone in with an open mind. Mm. But you know, I, and I was I was up for playing it because I was kind of I was pleased to be invited to do this series because 
it's cool to be able to say, hey, sit down and play a game that you wouldn't necessarily have thought that I'd sit down and play before. So it's going to be a, um, um, it's going to be an interesting experience. But yeah, no, no background with it whatsoever. So okay, fresh eyes. Well, good. That's good to have somebody who hasn't ever seen these before. Um, as far as my history with it, I had I had played Persona Three a long, long time ago. Whenever it first came out. Uh, and, uh, absolutely loved it. Um, we did persona, uh, three for, um, game club zombie frog way back in the day. Um, but I purchased persona Four day one, uh, because I, I, I was like, yes, I want to play the sequel to persona three. Uh, I had played and I, I didn't realize this, but I had played persona two. Persona two was broken into two different games. There was one that was called Eternal Punishment and one that was called Innocent Sin. One of them came over to the United States. The other one did not. I don't remember it, but I remember parts of it whenever I played it as a kid on the original PlayStation. But that was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, Persona 4, as far as... Um, the uh, the actual history with that game itself. I bought it day one, played it, and um, it was actually I had actually reviewed that game. I reviewed the game for uh, Evolved Gaming back whenever I worked for that <laughs> website. Interestingly enough, I didn't know how to make screenshots at the time. You know, we didn't really have that technology. I mean, I'm sure bigger sites did. I was I was you know I was just playing the game, so I actually took photos with my digital camera of my television and use those as the screenshots for my review. It's like the dark ages, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, if you go back, if you use the Wayback machine online, you can actually find my old review of persona four. Um, it was, it's, it's a bad review, but, uh, I absolutely loved it. I, I played through it to completion, uh, back in 2008. um, Oh, I didn't realize you ever finished it before. Oh yeah, yeah. I I've I've completed the game once. Now I haven't played the golden version and stuff like that, but I have I have actually beaten that game. Um it's been a long time though. It's been what, eight years now. So uh but yeah, uh I I have I, I've always loved this series and uh, you know, everybody knows I love video game music. The Persona series has some of the weirdest friggin' music in the world. And it is so catchy, and I absolutely love it. There's one track in particular that I can, always is stuck in my head. Which always. one's that one? Sing it's it. The one, it yeah. <laughs> it's the one where you're standing in front of the entrance to go into any of these dungeons. Oh, the song the... basically when you're when you're picking your your party members. Yeah, dun 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 dun. Yeah. That that song. Yeah, I know that song. Yeah, that one like uh, random points in the day. Now over the course of years, but you know, wh- whenever I'm playing it, that song is stuck in my head. Oh, uh, it's the other one for me. Like when you're walking around town, your the, affection, the, the the perky thing. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that does my head in. Oh, that's the other one. Yeah, there, there's another one. The, your affection is the name of a song that I yep. had stuck in my head constantly. Um, because or the they, Junes jingle. The Junes jingle. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, you're gonna know. Do you know the lyrics to the Gen S theme song? Well, you're going to. It's Nanako, man. 
But uh, yeah, um, I played the crap She's out of this. Kind of a game. simple kid. She, she is. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, she's easy to maintain. I'll put it that way. Because all we gotta do is go to Juness. You know, so she's happy. Uh, but yeah, uh, I played the crap out of this game. Um, I absolutely loved it in 2008. I still adore it to this day. I, I did attempt to replay it, um, back whenever, um, me and my buddies used to stream a lot on uh, rage quit radio. And, um, we, we attempted to start that game. I think we made it past the first dungeon and then we kind of just fell off from there. Uh, but we, we were planning on streaming the entire series or the entire game. Uh, but we kind of stopped. So I, 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 there's a lot of stuff I don't remember, um, from the game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and they've changed it up a little bit. There's certain things that has been changed from the golden version and the original version. Um, but we can get into that a little bit later, but yeah. So synopsis, this is going to be kind of weird. Anybody who's never played Persona 4, okay. Let's see. Persona 4 is about somebody is kidnapping people. They are kidnapping people and throwing them into a, another dimension. That a you, TV universe? A TV universe. They call it the TV universe because the, in order for you to get to that universe, you have to go through a television screen. Any television screen will allow you to go through it. Um, during that time, there are shadows that are inside the TV world. The shadows are vicious creatures that will try to kill you. And um, a very strong shadow appears when uh, the fog in the TV world lifts. And it kills that person, and then they are ejected from the TV world and are usually hanging from an antenna or telephone pole or something like that. And you play as a person who has moved to this small town called Inaba, um, who came from the big city. And you hear a rumor in school um, about this thing called the Midnight Channel. And they claim that if you watch your television while it's not turned on during a rainy night at midnight, you will see your soulmate. And so you try it out and you actually see somebody. Come to find it's out. A, Go ahead. It's a bit of a weird rumor because everybody sees the same person. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody realizes that, I guess. Um, but yeah, they you try it out and it actually works. Kind of find out that is actually the person who has been put into the television world and they can't get out. But luckily, you, along with a few of your classmates, figure out you can actually travel to the TV world and possibly save the people that's being kidnapped and thrown into the television it, to me, it was almost awkwardly literal. It's not yeah. like you fall asleep and you wake up in a, in a land reminiscent of something you saw on TV. No, you actually fall through a physical TV set. Yeah. Persona's always kind of been that way, though. Yeah. I mean, Persona 3 
was even more crazy because, like you said, there was between midnight and 1 a.m., there is a secret hour of time called the dark hour where everybody in the world turns into a coffin where they are in the world. If they're standing up, they turn into a standing coffin. If they're laying in bed, they turn into a laying down coffin. And there's only a select few people who don't turn into coffins. They are the people who can use personas. And during this hour time, shadows roam the world and can kill people. And it's the people's job to stop the shadows from killing people. That's the whole thing of Persona 3. Another crazy thing in Persona 3 that's not here is the way they brought about their personas. Yeah. <laughs> they had to – so they explained it. They carry these things called evokers, which look like guns around. And in it's a bit, order, bit controversial at the time, right? It was very controversial <laughs> at the time. Because Bunch of it, high school kids blowing their brains out. Exactly. So in order for you to call upon your persona, you had to ex experience a traumatic event. So every time you you use like a magic ability and called your persona, you would see your character put a gun to their head and pull the trigger, and then their persona would come out. It was kind of fucking crazy because it wasn't it wasn't just like okay we're just gonna take my gun and boom persona. No, they were like physically going ah! and then pull the trigger. <laughs> it was so fucked up. Um. But yeah, they uh, they've changed that in Persona Four. Now they're all about cards that you get, and you just you take the card and you break it, and your persona comes out, and it's a little interesting. But the the very interesting thing about Persona Four and kind of the main protagonist of all the Persona games is you are a special case. To most people, they have a persona, a person inside of them that that. Is it's a part of them that either A, they don't like, or B, they have to accept. And when they're able to accept that person, they can then call upon their personas to give them strength. Your character, the main protagonist, he's a special case because he doesn't necessarily have a persona. He has a blank slate, which allows him to take on many personas. So... It's it, it it's basically turns into a gameplay mechanic of oh you can change personas on the fly, and um, so personas is kind of like a Pokemon game in that sense where you you get, you collect more personas to equip. Um, God, I think that actually covers the uh, yeah I think synopsis. you've done a good job yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it it's it's that crazy. Like it's it's that weird. You you sit down and tell somebody, hey, you know, it's about these people who are getting murdered because they get thrown into a television set, and there's a there's this other world where a bunch of monsters are and it kills them. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, so I, I think that covers the premise. the The other thing that I would say to somebody who didn't know what Persona was was would be essentially like the breakdown of what you actually do in the game. Yeah, and sort of that. Because what you said could play out in very many different ways, yeah. depending on the type of game. And what I find interesting about Persona is just how clear it is. You're either in a dungeon or you're doing social stuff. Yeah. There's there's two aspects to this game, and one of them is dungeon crawling. The other one is when you're not in dungeons, you are doing everyday school life as well as social life. Hanging out with your friends and 
uh, growing closer to family members and stuff like that. So um, to start off, the game starts off with your character obviously moving to this new town. Um, His parents are doing some type of business trip for a whole year, um, and uh, you have been sent to live with your uncle, which I think is, is his mother's brother. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. His mother's brother, yeah. uh, he's, you're sent to live with him in this small town called Inaba. Uh, and uh, your uncle, uh, Dojima, is a uh, small, down, small town detective um, who lives there with his daughter, Nanako. So your little cousin. I think she's probably maybe like eight or nine years old. I can't really tell. Uh, she's in school, so she's not like five or anything like that. Um, and that's how the game starts off. It's just kind of like you, you're kind of thrown into this new world. You don't know anybody except for your uncle and you really don't know your uncle that well. And he, uh, he doesn't really know how to deal with a teenager and it's, it's or or an eight year old or an eight year old for that matter. Yeah. Uh, I really, Dojima can come off as like a dick, but I really like him. He does the best he can. Yeah. I think. He, yeah, see, yeah. I, I never, I never developed his social link the first time I started playing Persona Four. Yeah. So all I knew him as was a dick. Yeah. But, but you, you do get to know them a bit better, and you know him in particular. You, you, you kind of understand his situation, and I guess cut him a little slack. Yeah, his. Um, I mean, when you explore his social link, you find out you know his his wife died um, when Nanako was really really little uh, in a car accident. Um. And so he's just been alone with Nanako for pretty much all of her life. And I have to give it to Persona, particularly Persona 4. Their characters and revelations in this game are, are some of the best I've ever experienced. Um, they it, it feels like these people aren't just like characters in a video game. It's like they have real yeah. emotions. Agreed. And they're dealing with real issues. Yeah, they're dealing with real issues. Granted, you're, Human issues, not video game issues. Exactly. I mean, it's not like, oh, you're going, you know, it, yeah, it's a game about you going into a TV and dealing with like a, a, a talking bear and killing shadows and stuff like that. But at the same time, you're dealing with like real world stuff, like being accepted by your friends and being accepting yourself and stuff like that. See, I, um, I agree to an extent. Um, I think the contrast between the kind of really over-the-top narrative of the TV world is really interesting and the contrast it has with kind of just the the reality TV of real life. Um, I sometimes, and I, I, I appreciate the emphasis the game puts on characterization in terms of things that people playing games can relate to and I think this might be particularly true of people who were teenagers playing Persona 4 when it came out um, but I find the adult characters like Dojima is a good example Like I find him thoroughly more understandable and relatable but some of the issues and obviously I think we'll get into it as we discuss each of the characters in more detail during the progression of the game I have issues with the the simplistic nature of some of the the, the revelations and some of the issues that characters deal with. I'm not 100% sold on strong characterization yet in this game. Do you find it a little hokey? 
Um, I don't think hokey is the right word. I think I, I, I give the game credit because I think it's sincere in the kind of um, messages that it wants to convey. But I think it lets itself down for me personally with some of the... I think it's all wrapped up a bit too neatly and it doesn't... Mm-hmm. I, I really give this game an A plus for kind of concept, but not an A plus for execution, Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting point. And I don't know exactly when is the appropriate time to talk about it, but I find this game to be a fascinating mix of a lot of different pieces. I mean, most simply sort of the dungeon versus the social links, but also sort of the, the literality of in persona three, the guns versus versus the personas like the persona in the game world. Yeah. It may be a real thing, but probably what the single thing I find most interesting about these games is that, that sense of self discovery. Yeah. Like it's a bit on the nose in the game, but you know, if you were playing this game at the age of 17 and you were, you know, right, maybe wrestling with your own issues, you know. 100%. It, that's what I, I think you're right. I think there is an element of, I maybe I hate to out myself as an old woman. Maybe I'm like a little bit too old to really be completely affected by the kind of lives of these kids yeah. as I would be if I was experiencing similar things at that time. And don't get me wrong. Like that's why I'm, I say, I do believe it's a sincere attempt because sure. I like, I we've all been to this high school, you know, you know, the kind of shit that happens in high school. Every, uh, soon, everyone has their struggle and their drama and the thing that they have that about themselves that they're afraid to kind of share. Everyone has their own anxiety and hangups. And I think it's kind of, I really do, and from what you guys have said about Persona 3, I think these games are really interesting in the type of social commentary that they're trying to put in to the concept of the games. Like, again, like the whole thing about going into the TV, like, yeah, it's completely literal. They're literally going to a TV, but the whole idea of kind of the more metaphorical idea of like a persona and things about identity and exploring, you know, within in the age of like, reality tv and social media and all this i think it there are so many interesting layered ideas that the game starts but for me and i guess maybe because i'm an adult and i'm looking at it through perhaps like academic eyes or this kind of other it doesn't go far enough in exploring but that's not to say that the game sets itself out to do that do you know what i mean that's just me wishing it could do things a little differently but as you said if you were 16, 17, maybe that's not stuff that, that those kind of theories are things you're not even worried about or thinking about. Yeah. And you, you kind true. of relate to the characters <laughs> in different ways. I, 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 I don't know that I would say that it's exclusively or even only primarily applicable to high school students, though. I mean, so, some aspects, yes, the high yeah. school environment and the class structure, but that sense of self discovery, I think, yeah. you know, that, that, does, that does never really end. It's not unrelatable. I just, yeah, I, I think it'll be easier to talk about as we go through like certain characters and stuff when we get into it. But that's kind of my kind of initial feeling about the game in terms yeah. of characterization, I guess. It, yeah. it but, would be really interesting, I think, to your point, if the if they took this same idea and applied it to actually like more complex characters. Not that these yeah. aren't well developed characters, but they are a bit simplistic. Yeah. If you had yeah. a you know a real morally gray world and people really struggling with. You know, like in, in a Game of Thrones type setting, you know, where yeah. it, it's not about high school or children. It's, 
Right, and I, I think take that, that sort of self discovery and apply it in a different way. Uh, yeah, it, it would I, also be fascinating. I don't know if it would be better, but it would be certainly different. I, I guess I think the game limits itself with the characters that it has to explore those kind of things further. But again, at the end of the day, you can't include everything in a game like this. So, yeah. you know, we'll wait and see how it goes. But I kind of have a, you know. I feel like a little unfulfilled at the moment, shall we say? Just it—it it does wrap things up in in a nice little bow. It feels like a little too conveniently sometimes. Like, like we're going to talk about Kanji's story. Yeah, and oh, I'd yeah, be like, I have real issues with that. That so. that one, I was just like, oh man, it really just wrapped up really. It, it was jarring. For me. Yeah, but we can like, get. We can, we'll come. We can. I won't go off on a tangent now. But no, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> Let's start off with how we who we meet first. Uh, starting off, we uh, you know going to class and going to school and stuff like that. We we uh, we meet our main party members, I should say, or your 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 starting friends, which are um, uh, Yosuke. Um, we, we, I should mention your. I don't know how it works in Japan. Obviously, this is this is a game that takes place in Japan. They have school on Saturdays, which is absolutely nuts to me. Yeah, some of the public schools here have school on Saturday mornings. Yeah, as in public being in the UK, private private schools. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, I, you confused <laughs> shit. I know. <laughs> talking about that, he's like, yeah, public school. I was like, a public school that, that's like. State schools, you know, <laughs> so, but um, yeah, uh, so yeah, they they have school on Saturdays. Um, they go throughout the entire year. Um, they have like, that. yeah, they they don't get summer break or anything like that. See, I'm not really opposed to that. <laughs> you finish school as, as a early. Separate idea. I mean, like, <laughs> well, I I mean, what I would say, you know, and this is totally not related to Persona, but. If you were to take a summer break and spread it out throughout the year, maybe two years at each holiday instead of like a day at each holiday, yeah. But go all you know, essentially all twelve months. I think there would be a lot more retention of whatever was being taught. That's true. As opposed to like, yeah, I learned a bunch of stuff for the test. Now I'm going to go on summer break and forget eighty percent of it because whatever that number has been calculated and it's absurdly high. I mean, let's let's just go ahead and and say it right now, high school. Isn't about learning stuff. It's learning about how to take tests. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's that's all high school's about. I mean, I hate to say that, but I mean, you know, modern no, high it's school. Getting, it's getting worse. Yeah, modern high that's school sure. is is teaching you how to take tests, and then you're not prepared for life. Well, afterwards. trust me, someone who's taught like arts and humanities classes to undergraduates at university, like there are people who come to university who are so used to taking a test, and when they're asked to do their own research and write their own papers, they do not know where to begin. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've that's talked about this before, That's too. no one's fault. It's not their fault because they're not given the tools they need. Yeah. There's so many Maybe. other things that I think people need to learn in school, like how to buy a house or – How to balance a checkbook. How to balance a checkbook or when should I, when should I if ever, lease a car versus buying a car. Yeah. That, I mean these are the type of questions that people deal with. Almost everybody deals with these questions, and you're never really taught how to. How does insurance work? Yeah. We need a, yeah, we need Do a I need life insurance? Game. I don't know. At, yeah, at this point in my life, I'm 30 years old. How health insurance works? I have a vague idea of how health insurance works in my in my country. You know, so I'm just like, yeah, That's I don't kind know. Of sad. Yeah, it's it's really sad. I don't know. I mean, I was lost when I bought my house. I was like, I guess I'm doing the right thing. 
I was like, I don't know. I have a lawyer with me, and he seems to know what he's talking about. <laughs> Sign here, Mr. Leachman. Yeah. At the same time, I just finished watching Making a Murderer. I don't <laughs> trust lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, back to Persona. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It's a bit of a political tangent there. Yeah, it's okay. true. Um, but uh, – <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we meet up with uh, – I should say we are all, I guess, sophomores in high school. Uh, I, it looks to be we're about 16 years old. Um, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how stuff works in Japan as far as like when you get a driver's license and stuff like that. But this stuff happens in the game. Um, so, uh, all right, first off, what did you name your characters? Mojo, obviously. Uh, Mojo? Just, just What's the last name? Zero Nine. Zero nine Mojo zero nine. Uh, Matt. Uh, usually this part of the game, I either I either have issues with and spend hours trying to come up with a name, or I just name the character something from Stargate, which is what I usually default to. Uh huh. But for some reason, I just like sat down. And I'm like, this guy's name is Pequod Rivers. Pequod Rivers. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know where it came from, but. There's no thinking. It just popped into my head. I'm like, this guy's name is Pequod Rivers. I know it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I know uh, your Persona 3 character was named Sam Beckett. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, my character's name is Lifty Fernand. Because you can't put Fernandez because it didn't have enough characters. <laughs> so he's Great Lifty goodness. Fernand. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, we uh, we meet up with uh, our starting party, which is uh, Yosuke... He's um, always injuring himself. Yeah, to begin with, he's always injuring himself. He's kind of like the goofball of the class clown. Um, uh, there's also uh, Yukiko, uh, which we, we don't get her to begin with, but we meet her at school to start off, uh, along with uh, Chie. Uh, so, um, and Chie and Yukiko seem to be like pretty good friends with each other. And uh, Yosuke, he's he's friends with them, more like kind of like he, he's just acquaintances with them. Yosuke is another uh, person who just moved in from the city a few months earlier, I think about six months ago. Um, he's so, a bit of an attention seeker, isn't he? He is. He's he's like your typical class clown to me. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except that not everybody really likes him. Yeah, there's, he's there's sort a of the people. one. Working for the company who's running all the small businesses out of business. Yeah, so that's that's one of the first things you learn. You you, you meet with Yosuke and you hang out with him the most to begin with. And we learn a few things about him. He works at Juness, which is a giant chain department store. Uh, and uh, it's the, 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 the particular Juness that he works at, his dad actually owns and runs it. Um, and... A lot of people in Inaba don't like him because, well, his dad brought in this giant company that's pretty much put a lot of other smaller mom and pop stores out of business. And, uh, he's, you know, he, he, he can't help it. You know, his dad just moved here and started a business and, you know, and everybody just kind of, a lot of people just don't like him. They're like, oh, that's that kid who's, you know, his dad runs Juness and put, put my, my daughter out of business or some shit. So and, I like that as a nice, uh, like, complimentary component of his personality instead of just saying, yeah, he's the class clown, he wants attention. But also, you know, there's this undercurrent of maybe he does have a sense of insecurity because he doesn't know anybody yeah. and he's getting a lot of, you know, Feels a lot of negative sense. first impressions. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, Yosuke is the first person we, we kind of really hang out with. Um, and, uh, 
he's the one who him and Chie both are the ones suggesting we should check out the Midnight Channel to uh, to see if we can find our one true love, I guess. And uh, when we do it, we see there's there's a woman there. Um, we can't really make out who she is, um, but it, it, it was just as like a small little thing. We're like, I, I maybe I was tired or sleepy or something like that. We just kind of ignored it. And of course, the rumors keep spreading and stuff like that. At the same time, uh, we're, there's a lot of television involved in this game, and uh, we see on a, a newscast that um, a reporter and who who was all right. For the life of me, I still can't figure this out. There so was a presenter. Right? Yeah, there was a presenter or a, or a reporter or something like that who was married to a senator or some type of high-ranking official in the government. Who then somebody had an affair with a singer or a performer? Something like that. Okay. The dude was married to someone. And then had an affair with someone else. Yeah. Well, the, and then bad shit happened. Yeah, the singer is missing, and nobody knows where she is. She was last reported being in Inaba, uh, staying at the Amagi Inn, which is the uh, the inn that is ran by Yukiko's parents, uh, and Yukiko helps out there as well. Um, but then. Uh, a couple of days later, they find the singer's body. Uh, she has been strung up on an antenna. And nobody knows what the hell's going on. How she got there, who killed her. There, the, It looks like there is no signs of any type of a struggle other than somebody kind of strapped her to a antenna. So, on that note... Dojima, who is one of very few detectives in this town, he now has to try and solve this murder. Oh, no, you forgot to mention he has his, like, trusty sidekick, my yeah. favorite character in the game. Adachi. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I mean, he was, like I said, he was one of few detectives. He's got a, he's got a partner, Adachi, who is kind of like, I think he said he's 27 or 26, I can't remember. Um, but he's a, he's a young rookie detective who is helping out Dojima. He's been helping him out for a few, like I think, a couple of years now, uh, and uh, Jojima treats him like garbage. <laughs> He's basically he fed is, up with him at this point. Yeah, he is pretty crap at yeah. his mouth shut. To be fair, but I suppose it progresses the narrative nicely. So, yeah, Adachi is is a really bad detective. He he talks about cases far too much to just random people. Uh, he also wanders the streets too much when he should be doing detective work. He's he can, keen, though. He's yeah, keen. he can he can be found usually at Juness hanging out in the breezeway, apparently. So, because <laughs> that's not weird at all. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so now we there's a murder going on. People people are kind of freaked out. They don't know what's going on, um, and they actually let school out early that day, uh, and they tell everybody just to go straight home. Um. Unfortunately, a few days uh, later, um, we get a news report saying that they 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 talked to the person who actually discovered the body, and that was actually a uh, a junior student at a uh, at the school. Um, and kind of found out it's actually a girl that Yosuke knows. 
he's he's actually kind of got a crush on her a little bit, and she actually works at Juness with him. And she was the one that discovered the body, um, and she's she's kind of traumatized from it. You know, you can see though we have a cutscene with Yosuke, and she's she can she can tell she's obviously having a bad day. Well, kind of found out she had discovered the body the other day, and they did a newscast interviewing her, and they kind of distorted her face and voice, but um, we eventually figure out it was her. Then she goes missing, and nobody knows where she is. Uh, at the same time, we're still looking at the Midnight Channel, and we're starting to see more and more of this another woman uh, and I think on the final day, we actually realized it was her in the television, uh, the one that we're seeing on the Midnight Channel. Um, Yosuke realizes it right away. He's actually calling us and stuff like that while we're watching it, saying, that's her, man. And then the next day, they find her body strapped to a telephone pole. Same, uh, The same MO as the last. Still can't figure this out. But at the same time, we realized one other thing, because we just we figured we'd just give it a shot. We have the ability to put our hand through our television, and we don't really know why. So then we try to put our head in there, and we can't fit because our television's too small. So we tell Yosuke about this, and Chie, of course, they both don't believe us. Very convoluted way to tell people to buy a bigger TV. This is true. Yeah. You know, what if you need to get inside it? Yeah. You know, what if, what if you're, you one of your family members gets kidnapped and put into the television world? How the hell are you supposed to get in there and save them with the <laughs> shitty little television? So you need a bigger one. So we go to Juness and we're looking at televisions because Chie is thinking about buying a new one or her parents are thinking about buying a new one. And so we just test it out. We found a big ass, big screen television and, uh, we stuck our head through. And Yosuke and Chie don't believe what they are seeing. Oh no. Um, originally, isn't it originally, it's just Yosuke and, and our character that goes through the television to begin with, right? Cause, no, I, can't remember. I think so. Yeah, because it's just Yosuke and us whenever we fight Yosuke's shadow, right? Chie's not around, is she? Or is Chie? Um, but you, I can't remember. I can't That's either. Born it. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember now. I've put like seventeen hours in this game, so I mean, it's and it's been a while since I started. Yeah, this is early in the game. Yeah. Um. No, either way, we we go into the television. When we do that, we actually um. We meet up. No, no, we we do. It's Chie, Yosuke, and us. And we get lost. We don't know where. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're running. We're running around. We find a. There's posters. There's posters of the singer that are all marked out and stuff like that. And we're like, "What the hell's going on?" Then we run into Teddy. Uh, Teddy is this. Um, he looks like, I guess, a mascot. He's he's a bear, with a um, with a zipper, going around his. Yeah, head. I was going to say also. Kind of like a Russian nesting doll. Yeah. Which is empty. Yeah. And we, we, we figured that out because uh, I think uh, Yosuke pushes him and his head falls off and there's nothing inside. 
That big old zipper for a neck. Yeah. Um, and Teddy says that he's been living there his entire life. And um, he, he, he tells us what's really going on. He says there's people. He says, I noticed that there's people being brought here and they're getting attacked by shadows. Um, and he originally suspects us of doing it. He says, you guys are the ones that's doing it, aren't you? And we're like, no, it's not us. So, um, but he, he says, well, I can get you out of here. He says, in fact, I don't want you guys here. Just get out. So he lets us out of the television and we're like, oh shit. So, um, I think what happens then is that we decide to go back, but we're going to have a lifeline. We have a rope that we tied to Yosuke and Chie's on the other side. That's what happened. Yeah. Chie's on the it other works side. Out really well. Yeah. yeah. We go through the television uh, and with Yosuke's rope, and oh, it just snaps in half. And so Chie's thinking we're stuck there, and she she doesn't know what to do. Uh, but yeah, it's us and Yosuke who are in the television, and we go talk to Teddy. Um, because we he wanted to see what exactly happened to his the the girl who worked with him at Juness, the one that got killed last. And so we and go. Teddy, yeah, Teddy's suspicious of us as well, isn't he? Like, yeah, yeah, he's he's totally yeah. like he thinks we're the ones doing this. Yeah. Um. So he takes us to what the last time he remembers seeing her, uh, which is kind of like whatever you think of becomes manifested in this t- television world. So she's thinking of the liquor store her parents own. And uh, we go into like the shopping district. It's like a shadow version of the shopping district in town. And uh, Yosuke is hearing her thoughts. And uh, he starts hearing other people's thoughts about him. About how oh, he's just a, he's a douchebag. And his dad came here and he's closing all our stores. And you know, it's like everybody, he wants to be accepted by everybody. He's just really just a sad person who craves attention. And um, Yosuke can't stand hearing this stuff. Um, and then he, we run into Yosuke's shadow, which is basically Yosuke, but with glowing red or, or yellow eyes. Um, and Yosuke's shadow is basically that version of himself that he doesn't want to hear. It's all of the things that are in his inner monologue, I guess. Yeah, part of a repressed part of his personality. Yeah, yeah. and I and this is the stuff I found really interesting about yeah, the game and the characterization. But at the same time, I felt like it was just presented in a too kind of simplistic and, as you say, like literal way. I guess it just doesn't go deep enough for me. You know, I just yeah. think it's a really, really, really interesting concept. And I just don't think they go far enough with it. Yeah, that I mean, that would be that would probably be my my one complaint of it is that I don't think they explore it enough in in certain aspects. Yeah, uh, this is basically like a tutorial boss. Um, so we have to fight Yosuke's shadow because Yosuke refuses to believe that that is actually a part of him. So then it manifests into this giant abomination that we have to fight. Uh, and we have to fight this one alone, solo. Um, this one, like I said, this is like a tutorial boss fight. So it's teaching us, oh, you might want to block here. And, oh, you might want to use this here. So um, this one's real easy. Uh, beat that one. 
And then Yosuke starts to, after the boss fight, Yosuke says, okay, this is really me. This is, this is what it, I mean, I don't want to think this stuff, but I do think this stuff and it is, it's a part of me and it's something I just have to accept. And when he accepts it, he then gains the power to use his persona in battle and becomes a real party member. Um, and that's the theme of this entire game is accepting oneself. Now, I know you, everyone has their issues with that. Um, and I think it's in the right place, but yeah, there are certain aspects of this that aren't explored enough. I think part of the issue I have with it, like, and I don't know, like when is it, but I felt like the contrast between the dungeon crawling and the really, really rigid structure of the kind of the days in between dungeon crawling, which are kind of, they literally go by calendar days. Yeah. Um, creates an unfortunate kind of schism between the two narrative worlds. Cause the only time that the characters really talk about these kind of anxieties and the, their kind of hidden selves, their repressed selves, the things that they don't want to admit, all the things they fear about themselves is literally like at that moment in the dungeon where they're face to face with it. Yeah. And then the next day at school, it's like, Oh, you know, I didn't really like that about myself. What do I do now? And then you respond with some kind of, Hey man, it'll be cool. And yeah. then it doesn't, in my experience, at least in as far as we played in the game so far, ever really come, back up. come up again. Yeah. And I felt that was like, a real letdown. I feel like that is the way in which the game really undermines itself narratively. I think I have real, I love the dungeon parts of this game and I really like the combat. I have a real problem with all the other shit, to be honest. Mm. And I think it really just ruins the pacing of the story and the characterization because it goes back to those simple kind of high school, like let's answer some questions in class. Where should we go? Let's go and get some food at Juness or do you know what I mean? And I just think, I kind of love that about this game, though. Nah, for me, it ruins the interesting, darker side of the story, which is kind of cool that that takes place in this TV world, and that's also a really cool concept. But then to com- it feels like it's completely, like you said, we've we've said, you know, it is wrapped up really neatly after you finish a dungeon, but then it almost feels like it's in the past forgotten about. And to me, for things like that, like if a character such as Kanji really did have a revelation like that. That's not something that you'd suddenly just come to terms with and be totally cool with the next day at school, you know? Yeah. I feel like there's no ongoing kind of manifestations of these issues back in the the real world. Whereas in the real world, there would be, you know? Yeah. Especially for teenagers. Yeah. I, I would say I completely agree with that. Whether it would have been a more, whether it would have been appropriate to deal with those things throughout the game in this type of game, I'm yeah. less certain of. But would it have made the game richer to do that? Absolutely. It yeah. certainly would have. And I would also agree that the dungeons do ruin the pacing of the game. Because the pacing of the game, there is no real pacing to the game because you can spend as much time as you want in the dungeons. Yeah. So in in that sense, that part of it is, is, is difficult to reconcile. But f- for me... The weird thing about this game is that I love both halves of it. Yeah, I do too. So that when I'm in the dungeon, I can't wait to do all, all I can do in the dungeon so I can go out and start doing the social stuff again. And then I once see, I've been doing yeah. that social stuff for a, maybe an hour, I'm like, man, I can't wait till I can get back in the dungeon. And it, it's just that weird, like, whenever I'm playing, 
I'm excited about getting the to other the next thing. step. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying, and I kind of wish I felt that way, but the, the only t- when I'm doing the social stuff, I'm just like, fuck, I just can't wait to get to the next dungeon. This is really doing my head in. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny, because I think so all far. the personality comes out of the, the social stuff. No, I you see, I just find it really annoying. <laughs> I, 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 I it, love it's it. still quite early in the game, so maybe, you know... I've, I don't know how many hours I played, maybe 13, 14, maybe in another 13, 14, the, just the kind of spending that amount of time with all the characters, I'll look back and feel differently. But right now, I'm just like, no, nah, let me go fight some shit, you know? That's the stuff I enjoy. Let me get to, let me get into the dark shit. Yeah, all the I, other I, stuff I, about, like, taking jobs and I, I just, I, it's just not interesting enough for me. I, I just feel like I'm going through the motions. If that's if that that's probably the the way to sum it up. Really, I feel like I'm going through the motions. Hmm. I, you know, in the same vein as that, uh, and made by the same company was Catherine, where I wasn't the biggest fan of the puzzles and the actual gameplay of that game. But when I was outside of the puzzles, hanging out at the bar, talking to my friends. Yeah. I, I fucking love that stuff. That was the thing. It was it, like that game is almost the exact same thing as Persona, where it has this one layer of gameplay, and the other layer, layer of gameplay is basically the social interactions with your friends and hanging out at a bar, you know, talking to people and and learning their lives. And I think yeah. it's I think it's explored a lot more in Catherine, as far as like learning who these people are, than it is in Persona. Um, but I that's I, I love both aspects of this game. Um, but I get where you're coming from. Um, and that's, again, it's maybe like a personal taste thing. And maybe it's because you guys have a history with the franchise and played these games a long time ago. And this is new for me. So maybe kind of, I'm, I'm a little bit using my bias of like what I like out of an RPG and I'm holding the game to an unfair standard, you know? So I think, do do we know what Persona 5 setting is going to be? Is it also high school? Uh, I I think you are high school students, but I think there's a darker side of you because it looks like you're like some type of thieves. Because I see you constantly like sneaking around in like a like a thief's outfit, like the classic thief's outfit, you know, with the the thing around your eyes, and you're in black and stuff, and it looks like you're sneaking around, and it looks like you're stealing, like like you're trying to like do like a caper or something like that. I don't know. These games have always been a little weird and di- and different in each one. I mean, yeah, you yeah, always kind of played high school students, though. I would find it fascinating if Persona 5 actually made the sort of leaps that, that Sophie sort of wants out of Persona 4 because, I, I mean, I think those are all valid things. Wh- whether the criticisms of this game or just way that ways that the next game could evolve, like either mm. one of those might be true. But it, it would be interesting because they are sort of co- like common issues. I mean, I think you're, I think you've, you're very, you've very clearly identified some of the restrictions of what they either decided to do or could do in this game. Yeah, and yeah. It, it'd be really interesting to see if Persona Five plays up those. And, and like I say, I, I really do love. I give the game a lot of credit for going to those places. So you know, it's not like I dislike everything that it's doing. I just kind of, you know. Yeah. Persona, a plus, for, a plus yeah. for effort. There you go. Uh, Persona 4's heart's in the right place. I just don't yeah, think it, exactly. it follows up as much as it should. Um, so yeah, after that, um, 
you know, we're working on social links and stuff like that, and I'm kind of skipping past all that stuff. We'll just talk a little bit about it. So there's a few clubs that we can join um, and, and take on other jobs. So there's a shit ton of stuff in this game that we can do. Um, you can you can study, which raises your knowledge. So there's there's things about working on your knowledge and your courage and your diligence and, and stuff like that, these small stats that actually open up more social links and uh, dialogue options when you're talking to certain people. Uh, but there's also social links, which come into play with it, you're basically in establishing a relationship with somebody outside of the television world. Uh, and on top of that, they represent a certain type of persona. So there's, and they're all based on tarot cards like the fool or, uh, the magician or strength or temperance and stuff like that. Uh, and each person that you can interact with represents one of those. And the stronger your social link is to them, the stronger when you fuse personas, which we haven't even talked about, you go to this place called the Velvet Room. The Velvet Room has existed in every single Persona game. Igor has always been in the games. Uh, and this is the place where you basically create Personas. You you take the Personas that you have found um, and you can fuse them together. You can register them in a compendium, but you can call upon them using money. Um, and uh, you can create your own Personas. Um, so the social links play a lot into that and working on social links and then creating personas is probably better than level grinding. If I'm not, if I'm being completely honest, because you can get a overpowered persona by having a really strong social link with somebody and, and it, it can devastate things. So, um, from like an OCD nerd kind of perspective, I really like all that the the persona fusion stuff like that and fiddling around with different combinations and I I'm, I like all that. I like that part of the game. Like Pretty the much all the Shin Megami the Tensei games have had yeah. that. So uh, it's um it's it's a really interesting concept. I think it it, it works really well. It's it's kind of like a mature Pokemon. Um, so uh, yeah, but um. Social links. Uh, there's a few clubs that we can join. I joined the uh, the soccer team. Uh, did you guys join? Which ones did you guys join? I joined the basketball team. Okay. And so I joined the soccer, soccer team. Obsessed with basketball, and I joined the drama club. I joined the drama club as well. I did not join a club. Really? I'm spending. You know, I, I'm doing as much as I can with the soccer teams. I decided, sort of, in this game, that I wasn't going to level up all my characters. I was really going to focus on my main ones. So I didn't want to take on too many clubs and necessarily start too many social links when I could be developing the ones that I have. Right. So I didn't join a club, but I did get a job, and my job is translating. Okay. So I I sit in my bedroom alone and translate, and it raises, (laughs) I think, is it understanding? Understanding. I think it's understanding, yeah. Yeah, I have the I have the translating job and I have the folding envelopes job, and I can also go and babysit the kids at the yeah. thing on days when it doesn't rain. And yeah, that seems more like a hey, show up if you want 
I'm hoping it is anyway. I haven't, they haven't it, called it is. me. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> can you call um, me fired? that I left all these kids there for... I don't think you can get fired. Okay, cool. But yeah, um, I I have done the daycare thing uh, because that is a social link. You actually... Money. Yeah, and, and a lot of money. You get 5,000 yen for uh, for doing it each time. But um, the um, the mother of one of the children, or the stepmother, I should say, of one of the children is a social link. Yeah. And um, I, I've kind of actually leveled her up a, a good amount, um, and I've, I've I've leveled up the the soccer team a good amount. You, you still hang out with both the guys from the teams. Uh, the only one you don't do is like if you go to the drama club, you don't actually hang out with the kid from the from the band, from the school band. So you can only choose one at a time, I think. But yeah, that's the stuff I'm working on. But back to the story. Um, after a while, uh, you know, nobody's getting kidnapped, but then somebody does get kidnapped and kind of find out it's Yukiko. Um, and this is when we start piecing together. Well, what if this person that's kidnapping these people, they're, they're taking people for a reason, you know, because the first two people were kind of related they killed the singer. The singer's body was discovered by Yosuke's co-worker and friend. And maybe they wanted to kill her to silence her. And now they're getting Yukiko. Kind of find out Yukiko helps run the inn where the singer was staying at. Maybe this stuff's all related. Yeah, they go all Scooby on it. Yeah. Trying to investigate. Yeah, yeah they form the investigation team. Uh, so... Uh, we go into the television to save Yukiko. Now, uh, we, we know it's Yukiko because we see a television channel. It's, it's on the Midnight Channel, and we see her at Yukiko's – Princess Yukiko's romantic castle or something like that. And uh, she's all dressed up in this weird princess getup, and she's all about wanting to score a hot stud, as she said. <laughs> um. And uh, we're like, okay, that's really weird, but we need to go rescue Yukiko. So we have to go into Yukiko's castle, which is what's been manifested f- through Yukiko. So uh, we travel through the castle. Now, this is our first official dungeon. Um, and I think, what, eight floors for this dungeon? Yeah, I think it's eight. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, and this is where we begin the dungeon crawl itself. So we have the ability to um, – you, you'll see enemies running around the dungeon. You can hit them in the back, and you get a player advantage, which allows you to um, strike first. Um, one of the weirdest things is it's not like if you hit them in the front – I can't remember exactly how Persona 3 handled it, but um, you'd think – because you have a, a hard swing, you'd hit a guy, and that would automatically do, give you player advantage. But no, you had to hit them in the back. And it's yeah. really precise as well. Like, yeah. no sort of sideways on, like, round the corner, proper in the back. I find yeah. it a bit hit and miss, to be honest. It, it, it is. It, it is. And it's, it's slightly annoying. Um, but to, to discuss a little bit of the battle system... To start off with, and I needed to mention this because thank God Persona 4 came along. In Persona 3, <laughs> all right, so let's just start off with when you get into a battle with Persona 4 and you have multiple party members, 
Currently, you are only controlling your character. Your other party members do their own thing. They are AI controlled, and you can give them uh, kind of like tactics, like you know, use magic attacks or you know, conserve your your, your SP, which is basically your magic points. Um, cons- you know, and or just just go full out attack and stuff like that, or be defensive. That was the only way you could play that game in Persona Three. You could only control your character in Persona Three. And your party members did their own thing. Thank Christ they changed that in Persona 4. Because I immediately switched all my characters to let me control what they do. Right? Yeah, I haven't done that yet, but no, I, I imagine either. at some point I will. I somet- I'm in between the two, so I usually I'll have... Obviously, me. I'll have one dude who's like act freely. When this is when we get when we have four people in the party, I'll have someone who can act freely, someone who is like full on assault, and then I'll have someone who heals. But if stuff's going south, or if I know, like, because sometimes the AI makes really stupid decisions. Exactly. Yep. So, like, if I see that happening in a battle, then I'll switch to um, total control of all of them. The, yeah, I know that the first thing right away when I get a new character is I am controlling you. You are not going to do what you want to do because that that's insane. Because it, because just like in Persona 3, the same way in Persona 4, it doesn't matter if you still have a full party that's alive. If your character dies, it's game over. Yep. And that is a load of bullshit because I've still got revival beads in my inventory that my friends can use on my ass, but just because I die, well, not nah, it's game over. Sorry. So there's been too many times, especially in Persona 3, where my teammates would attack when they should have been healing my ass. So, you know, I, I, I am going to tell them what to do. Well, I find that when, like, the person I have who set as the healer, for, you know, focus on that, it tends to work out pretty they do tend to do that at the appropriate time, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I'm surprised I, they actually heal me knowing I'm more important, even though someone else might have less health. Yeah. So they do. I, I don't have a problem with the AI when it comes to the character that's set, as, or I'm yet to have an issue with the character not healing when they should. But I have more of an issue for, like, offensive decisions, I think. Sometimes, like, yeah then I switch around. But for the most part, like, and if I'm just going through the dungeon fight, usually that's comes up in a boss fight. That's when I'm more likely to take yep. control. But for everything else, just for the sake of getting through, I tend to set like my tactics up, but I won't, I'll let them crack on unless I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, but that's one aspect of the battle system. The other aspect and this, the one that's been in like started in persona three, I think um, is uh, the whole thing of, Certain enemies are weak to certain things. So one may be weak to electricity. So if you use electricity on it, they go down and you get a one more attack. Um, and yeah. it allows you to attack again. Um, if you're able to knock down all the enemies or stun all the enemies or something like that, uh, you can also do it with a critical hit. Um, you're able to do an all out attack, which allows you and all your party members to basically just gang up on the guys and do a massive amount of damage at one time. It's kind of like a free action, too. Um, and that's mainly the way everything kind of revolves. Uh, you can also switch personas in battle for your main character. So if if you don't have electricity, 
uh, you can switch to a persona that does have one kind of thing or something like that. So there's, you know, there's electricity, fire, ice, um, wind, uh, holy and dark are your three or your six main, um, elements, I guess you'd say. Plus they can be weak to physical, right? They no. can't, some of them can be weak to physical damage. Uh, and then there's also uh, not only are there abilities that use up magic points, there's also abilities that each persona has that actually takes away some of your health. And yeah, Chie, stop doing Rampage every single round. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. You're killing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I've hey. had to take control and stop her from doing that. There's, I have never had that issue because I've had her controlled the entire time. Because, no, that's stupid. I'm not letting them do whatever they want because they're idiots. Well, they're high schoolers. They're high schoolers, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, um, we travel through Yukiko's castle, um, and uh, we eventually run into Yukiko. Uh, and uh, Yukiko has been in there for a few days. Um, so, so the, the the whole goal of the entire game, there is a fail state, and that is you have to watch the weather reports. When there's a large period of time where there is rain nonstop, uh, the real world will have a thick fog. When this happens, the fog lifts in the television world, and that's when the bigger, more stronger personas, more stronger shadows come out. That's when they get they kill the person who's been kidnapped. So we have a we have a set amount of time throughout the month, kind of thing, where we can explore the dungeon, try to find the person, and rescue them before the the fog lifts. Uh, and usually it, they give you at least about two, three weeks to do that. Sometimes. Um, so, uh, I've never really felt rushed when it came to rescuing somebody. Um, but yeah, so we eventually make it to Yukiko and, uh, Yukiko, uh, is seeing her shadow and her shadow is basically, um, well, I forget. I'm sorry. I forgot. We didn't do Chie's. Um, Chie's is in Yukiko's castle, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Like about halfway through, or a couple of couple of floors in, right? Yeah, it's a couple of yeah, floors in. Yeah, it was like second floor, right? Yeah. yeah. Was higher. Because Chie runs off on her own, and we have to go find her. Um, when we find her, she's she's facing her true self. <laughs> um, and Chie, it's weird. Chie. I don't know what she's really thinking inside of her head that she's uh she's useless and she's not pretty like Yukiko is. Yeah. I, I mean something it, like that. <laughs> it, it's weird. It's like she she wants to be the knight, the white knight for for Yukiko and save her and 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 not be the you know, be be the protector, but you can't protect jack shit because you're useless. I mean, that's that's basically what <laughs> that's basically what her shadow is telling her. Um, and that's when we get you know her persona, and she's able to actually use it. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm 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 slightly skipping ahead because I mean we can't just talk about oh I dungeon crawled for an hour and a half, you know. <laughs> I mean it's it's basically just the same thing, but uh. Going to Yukiko, Yukiko um, is, she feels like she's useless as well. 
and she holds uh, Chie to this high regard. It's weird because they're both kind of like, I suck and my friend's better, and they both feel that same way. Yeah. And so um, they kind of complement each other in that way. Uh, and uh, Yukiko feels like she's she's almost like a um, too much of a prude. Yeah, and there's this whole thing as well with her kind of the responsibility she takes on at her family's inn, right? Yeah. So she feels like, I guess, burdened through that. Yeah. So um, she doesn't believe She doesn't want to believe it. It's always like, you're not me. And everybody's like, just don't say that. If you, can yeah. get, if you can get them to shut up and not say that, then you don't have to worry about it. But they always say, you're not me. And then they turn into the whole big thing and you have to fight them. Um, and we beat Yukiko and Yukiko gets the ability to summon her persona. I'm, I'm skipping a lot of this stuff cause I'm just trying to get the story stuff now. Um, and she, she accepts her true self and you, you know, it, it ends with you, you have three things that you can choose and you're all, you always choose one. It's like, eh, everybody's like this. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, the, the, the other thing I should mention is that there's an optional boss in Yukiko's castle after you rescue Yukiko and she joins the party. Um, fuck that. The incredibly annoying king. Fuck that boss. Yeah. Yeah. I have never beat it and I don't plan on beating it because it has an instant death attack. Oh, I hate that boss so much. Maybe I'll go back in, you know, 20 hours time and have one more go, but... Yeah, I did yeah. that. It didn't help. Okay. I Never mind. Died. Maybe I won't then. I died just as fast now as I did when I was, like, level 8. At, yeah. Or whenever I fought Ridiculous. him the first time. Yeah. Um, has anybody ran into death yet? No. <laughs> I've heard his chains three or four times. Now. Oh, yeah. Um, so, uh, death, you can... All right, so the Grim Reaper himself will follow you into a dungeon sometimes, and you can hear chains clanging together when you know he's near. Um, sometimes he resides in treasure boxes, uh, and you in you know it's it, it'll tell you before you open it. It's like, oh man, something sounds kind of bad in this box. And that's death. Um, and I, I know in Persona Three, he chased you down if you stayed in a dungeon too long. I don't know if that happens in Persona 4. Um, don't fight death. Uh, because <laughs> because y- you will die. Uh, you like uh, I have I have looked it up and they say, oh, you need to be at least, at least like level 70 before you even take on death. Which I find it ridiculous they even introduced him this early on. Yeah. All right, is everybody playing on normal? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I am too. Uh, luckily, normal still lets you. If you do die, you can start from the beginning of that floor of the dungeon. Yeah. So, uh, but then after that, um, more social link stuff. Um, we uh, meet up with this guy named Kanji, who is actually younger than everybody else. He's he's a freshman in high school. Uh, he's played by. Um, a, a well-known voice actor nowadays, but back then nobody had ever heard of him. He's played by Troy Baker. <laughs> um, I, in fact, I think that was the first time I'd ever heard Troy Baker. Or I take that back. He was in Persona 3. 
I'm pretty sure he was Akihiko. Or that might have been Yuri Lowenthal. I can't remember. Um, either way, I, I think this is one of the first instances I remember hearing Troy Baker uh, in a game. Uh, and Kanji is kind of like a punk badass who apparently beat up an entire biker gang one time because they drove by his house too loud and kept waking up his mom. <laughs> um, he takes no shit from anybody. Uh, and uh, he... Um, Something's going on with him lately. Uh, he's meeting up with this guy uh, at random places, and he's acting really funny about it. Um, and uh, at the same time, we're still trying to investigate and figure out who this killer is that's taking people and putting them into the television. Um, and uh, when we start seeing him with this other guy in the hat... Um, we're like, well, who the fuck? Uh, like, this person's acting really mysterious and strange. Let's go investigate this person. And during that time, unfortunately, Kanji starts to get he he disappears and nobody can find him. And now he's in the television. Is it like was it just me? And I guess like you guys have played the game before, so maybe cast your minds back. But was it not just immediately obvious what it was with Kanji? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious. Uh, that yeah, I had real issues with this whole this whole episode. <laughs> so Kanji, um, he he's he's very conflicted right now. He doesn't know exactly what's what to think um, because he's he feels like he's slightly smitten with this boy that he's talking to. But don't 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 they put a little bit of a different spin on it in this game? than you might expect? Uh, yeah, later on. Yeah. I mean, it's not really what you think it is at first, at least from where I am in the game. Yeah. They, I mean, yeah, I, I've beaten this game, and anybody who's who's followed Persona for a long enough time knows that I, I know what you're talking about when it comes to that relationship that, we, that I just mentioned. No, actually, I don't know anything about that. I haven't made it past where okay. essentially we're talking now. But even just within the section we play, in the, are, a, or go go ahead and talk about because we're getting into it anyway. But the only thing you know, I think what you're alluding to, Sophie, is just that you know he's he's got these homosexual feelings. Yeah, yeah. But I thought that, and maybe this was just him covering for those feelings. But I thought you know it, it gets expanded more. It's more just a sense of rejection of anybody, so he just kind of latches on to anybody who's showing him any real attention. Yeah. It, I, I thought it was a more just a, a sense of not getting along with people and, and really wanting affection from anybody rather than it is, you know, I, I woke up and I'm – or, I, you know, I've, I've come to the realization that I'm a homosexual. Yeah. See, now that's the problem I had with it. Like it was almost – like I felt like the story was afraid – To go to, there. Sp- to specifically say – I'm really, I feel like I have these homosexual desires. I'm very afraid of admitting that to myself. I'm afraid of rejection because of that part of my identity. And I feel See, almost I, I thought... like it was, I, I almost felt, I feel like it was a bit of a cop out how that whole thing was resolved. See, I thought that was them saying, you know, let, let's add a little bit more complexity. It's not just that he realizes he's gay. 
Yeah, but uh, no, for for me, it was, uh, yeah, I think I I read it differently, like, or or interpreted differently. For me, I would have liked to have seen, like, of course, I think if you have that anxiety about yourself, you're going to be afraid of any rejection of you. Because if you kind of identify yourself as gay, then I think any rejection that you feel is going to be wrapped up in in just any aspect of your identity, because that's part of who you are, right? So I think for the game to kind of sweep it under the carpet and say, oh, he's not afraid of people rejecting him because he's gay. He's afraid of people rejecting him because he just wants people to like him. Yeah. I I had a real problem with that. And I think it could have... Again, I think... I'm not (laughs) saying the two aren't interrelated, but I feel like it, it just didn't ring true to me. I know how this game plays out. And if you think that's a cop out, <laughs> just, wait till later. just just wait till later when something else is revealed. Am I going to be really angry? You you're probably going to be like what the fuck are we even doing then? Because I mean that's I mean like that's how I kind of felt because yeah, I get it. If they would have went there, if they would have went there and said that Kanji needs to face his true self, he doesn't want to re- to really realize that he has homosexual feelings and he needs to accept that if they would have went there it would have been fine but instead they kind of dance around it a little bit yeah that's what it, it just and felt so like, it's like ah, it was I just, so obvious uh, as yeah. to what it was like you say and then they just didn't bother acknowledging the whole thing that they led us up to yeah that that was the and, whole thing it, i mean we we yeah. got you know we got the Shadow Kanji is like this flamboyant guy who's talking about right. you know getting a bunch of guys together and stuff like that. I'm just like, I mean, yeah, we we get it. He has homosexual thoughts. And I think that was kind of cool because that plays into the the the, the over the top stereotype, right, of homosexuality. You know that this whole Kanji in the TV episode in the bathhouse and all that. Do you know what I mean? And it yeah, it's, the shadows it, are supposed to be like a extreme version of that. And it kind of was like, it's not offensive because I think playing into that stereotype is, I guess, maybe teenage Kanji thinks that's what being gay is, you yeah. know, like it can only be this. And, and that's obviously not the case. And I thought there are so many layers to it and it could have been really interesting, you know, no, you know, like just because you're a homosexual, it doesn't mean you have to be super flamboyant or dress in, you, you know, you don't have to play into these stereotypes. I feel like that's the whole point. Of, of of what this game is trying to say with personas and by the fact that they kind of went there with this extreme version of kanji in the dungeon and then you know made him face that and then just made it like the resolution of it about something completely different just to me i felt really betrayed if, if i was if it was a tv episode and i was watching that and the, the story went all the way there and i was invested in it and then right at the end it was like oh okay so none of that even matters to how the character ends up I, I felt it like it was a real letdown i just you know because at the end of it he's like yeah i still like girls i just you know i, I yeah i, just, I had a I real just, problem with that I, yeah I, I i just think um you know i i, I just want to be accepted by anybody and i'm just like come on dude yeah really? I, I, I had a real problem with that i almost found it offensive to be honest yeah I don't know if that might have been a translation thing. I don't know Maybe. how. I don't, I don't know how Japan, or it might have been a censorship for the United States or for the Western market. I don't know, to be honest with you. I mean, it, it may have actually played out like that. Um, I I know for certain what sparked him thinking that he may be homosexual. Um, it, it is the other revelation that's probably going to drive you up a wall. 
Because, <laughs> I mean, I... I stay I, tuned yes. to the next episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah, stay tuned because when we, we get another party member and you'll be like, what... <laughs> Then what were we even talk, talking about with Kanji then? You know, that that's 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 going to be the thing. Um, but yeah, so uh, we we go into the steamy bathhouse to rescue Kanji, um, and um, yeah, we fight. Then we fight his shadow, who, if, like like we just explained, we think it's his homosexual tendencies and. Kind of find out it's not. It's just him wanting to be accepted. I don't know. Matt, what do you think about this? You hadn't really said anything. Uh, me? Yeah. <laughs> I see. I I don't know. I I kind of thought that it was essentially trying to just make it a bit more ambiguous. I mean, it, to me, it wasn't them trying to say, oh, we don't want to say he's gay. It's, yeah, we could say that, but, you know, th- things aren't black and white. It's not necessarily gay or not. You know, what is it, the uh, the, the Kinsey scale? Which yeah. I think, you know, it's your spectrum of, I don't know, 1 to 10 yeah. or 1 to 7 or whatever it is. You know, to me, this was me, this was him, Kanji, falling somewhere in that middle and really, like, really struggling even more. I mean, if it was the, – the way I saw it is if, if, if that was the only thing that he had to accept, then he would have done it and it would have been a little simpler. It would have been hard, but, you know, he comes to that realization and then he, you know, he he moves on. But I, to me, I, I thought that, that it not being that clear almost made that more difficult to grapple with. Yeah. I, I think that's a really interesting – interpretation of it i think what would have sold that more for me is if it had been more explicit in saying this is about sexuality right i can accept him being uncertain on on a scale like that i could but it didn't even become about that it was just i guess he wanted to be liked that's where it fell down a bit for me yeah i think because i agree with you matt i think but for me it, it would have need to have been more explicit for me to believe yeah, that I, I can see that. But um, after we save Kanji, you know, he gets his his persona ability, um, and then we start to speculate a little bit more about. So there really is no um, connection between the people uh, that are being put into the television because Kanji had absolutely nothing to do with any of the stuff. Yeah, except that, that, that they, they they draw the sort of circuitous line between him to his mother, who supplied the textiles to the Imagi Inn. Yeah, but I mean that just that's so far removed; it doesn't really make sense to do that. Right. But in between, and then they say it's yeah. Go yeah. ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, they're, they're, I, I like I like it when they're still spitballing their ideas. You know, what are the links? And you're as, as they're trying to figure it out. I like that they even have us to have some input on it. Right. You know, what what do you think the link is between these people? Yeah. Wow. Did anyone uh, fight the optional boss in Kanji's dungeon? I, I did, but I didn't finish it. And I was like, yeah, I'll come back to it later. Yeah, I, I fought him. It. And I didn't find it too, like, I found it better for me than the actual boss fight for Kanji, or maybe I'm getting the two confused, but yeah, no, I did, I did go through it again and um, 
did that one, I was a bit kind of ambivalent about doing it after the experiences with the Contrarian King, but fortunately, that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from what I've read from different forums and stuff like that, the Contrarian King, the first optional boss, is the hardest one in the game. I'm not kidding. <laughs> it's one of the hardest ones in the game. Um, but yeah, after saving Kanji, that's kind of where I we decided to stop for this recording. Um, I've played a little bit more through that, but I mean, I haven't started a new dungeon or anything yet. Um, but uh, yeah, that's where we're going to end it. But I, I want to get into our emails. We got five of them uh, <laughs> talking about Persona Four. And uh, the first one comes in from Neo Shakespeare. And he says, uh, Greetings, Drew. Uh, I've tried Personas 1 through 3 uh, when they first released and hated all of them. <laughs> after, <laughs> after 3, I gave up on ever trying to light the series. Uh, then there was Persona 4. I had so many people I know and even more people I follow tell me how amazing Persona 4 Golden is. I thought, fine. RPGs are my favorite genre, and it isn't unusual for franchises to continually reinvent themselves, especially over console generations. I bought the game on my Vita and played it for about 90 minutes. I hated every minute. I gave up on the franchise again and declared everyone is full of shit. <laughs> this is a healthy amount of determination. I don't think yeah. there's any series that I've disliked, and I've played all four main entries in it. <laughs> says, uh, now you, Phoenix Down, have decided to give it a go. Gentlemen, I have one word for you. Xeno Gears. He will not let this go. <laughs> <laughs> However, I have decided it's me against the world at this point when it comes to Persona 4. Surely I'm missing something, right? I've decided the other day that I'm going to give it another whirl on my Vita and play uh, a little over three hours. And I have to say, in my opinion, it still hasn't improved very much. However, I'm going to stick it out with you guys till the end. If there is an end, once again, Xeno Gears. So I'd be curious to know if it's the dungeons, the social links, both yeah. the characters. Like, what? What about it? Because you know, I agree actually with almost everything you've said, Sophie. You've pointed out a lot of sort of the, the limitations of the game, but but I, 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 there's something about the, the charm of this game. There's something about like, for me again, going back and forth between the two types of gameplay that. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I, I no, just I, can't put it down. I wake up and I play it. For, like game, I, I don't usually get so addicted to games as I do to yeah. the Sony games. I think it's one. Uh, the, t I don't want everyone to kind of come up. I, I don't hate the game. Yeah. You know, and I, I have to carry on finishing it because obviously I'm committed to completing this podcast series with you guys, so I can't back out. But like, I don't. I'm not at the stage saying, you know, if I didn't speak to you guys about this every week, I'd be. This would be it for me. I, I want to know where it goes. And I really... The, the combat and the dungeons, for me, are the saving grace of this game. And I really do... It's like I said, I look forward to getting stuck in to the next dungeon. Because I'm fusing personas and doing that side of the game. That, for me, is the aspect of the game that I really enjoy. Yeah. And, again, I, I really love the concepts of the game. You know, I'm... That's why I find it so frustrating, I think. Yeah. I feel a bit let down. But I won't repeat myself. But, yeah okay uh yeah but let follow up with us on that one uh and let us know what what it is you don't like about it he says i'll tell and you if what it changes at all if he continues to play oh yeah well he, yeah. he says here he says i'll tell you what if my opinion changes along the journey i'll let you know that is for you care 
That is, if you care, of course, I can easily fuck off as well. Oh, come on now. We, we love everybody's opinions on stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, seriously- right now we have three perspectives that, you know, any, yeah. any, any more that we get, you know, really does help to add some, some other shades to these discussions. Exactly. Sure. That's the whole point. And it says, uh, seriously though, you and Matt are awesome. And I look forward to your podcast each Friday more so than I do the weekend itself. Thank you. P.S. Xeno gears. He <sighs> <sighs> won't let that go. Uh, our next he, email. He's actually causing me to feel bad enough about it that, you know, if he's going to stick with Persona through four games. Yeah, you guys owe him one. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we owe him one. You're right. Oh, my God. I don't. I don't <laughs> go back to Xenogears. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Uh, but uh, our next email comes in from Charlie. Uh, it says, hi, guys. I picked up Persona 4 Golden in January of 2014. By the time I finished it, 110 hours later. Wow. Wow. Uh, it was one of my all-time favorite games. Uh, even after long, I still didn't want it to be over. So later that year, I played Persona 3. It wasn't as good as 4, but still worth playing. Fast forward to 2016, and I'm replaying it along with you guys. Two hours in, and I'm remembering why I like this game so much. It's just full of charm and interesting story elements. It also uh, It's also a really fun to see characters uh, make their first appearances when you know the impact that some of them have later on in the story. I won't name anyone in particular for fear of spoilers, but I feel this second playthrough is going to have a lot of those moments, and I can't wait. I'm also interested to see if my opinions toward the characters will change at all this time around. I know uh, that last time Chie was my favorite character. Something about her character really appealed to me, and the developments she goes through are very heartwarming. Uh, that's enough for now. Can't wait to play more. Really glad you guys have given me an extra reason to go back and play it again. All the best, Charlie. Um, oh, one interesting thing. Uh, in between Persona 4 and Persona 4 Golden, they have changed voice actors for both Chie and Teddy. I don't like the voice actor for Chie in this game. I I really like the 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 original voice actor. So I also dislike the voice actor, but I think that the sound of the voice fits the character better. Mm. Okay. I think she's kind of meant to be annoying, and I think she is annoying. So it's spot on in my book. Well, there you go. Uh, our next one comes in from Sam. It says, uh, what up, guys? Sam in Seattle here, even though I don't, I'm not living in Seattle anymore, but I can't change my <laughs> PSN name. Uh, so I keep my Stay use- true to your roots. There you go. Yeah. So I keep my username the same everywhere. God damn it, Sony. Uh Anyways, I'm here with some questions and comments for you. First off, this is my first Persona game, and I'm loving it. From the quirkiness of some of the characters to the awesome combat system, not to mention the fact it's fully voiced, which I like. Uh, My question, if you guys haven't touched on it yet, can you discuss and maybe help enlighten me about fusing Personas and Personas as a whole? What Personas do you guys have, and do you fuse often? I'm trying to figure out the ins and outs. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. That's that's interesting topic. That one right there is kind of hard to talk about because it really all depends on what kind of build you're going for. Um, you know, you got your party members who have a certain weakness and a certain strength. You know, Chie is good with ice attacks. Uh, Yukiko is good with fire. Um, Kanji is good with electricity. And so you have to kind of complement those. It's always good to have a nice spread. 
Um, with personas, I mean, I've got uh, Legion uh, pretty leveled up. He's a, uh, I think, a fool type. Um, has really decent endurance. Um, and it's like there's a million freaking personas in this game. It seems like. Uh, yeah, the, we- the best thing to do is is get a fucking spreadsheet. Look on Game Facts <laughs> and look at personas and talk about the like fusing how how to get the certain personas and which ones have the better stats and stuff like that. Because there's yeah, a weather forecast for fusing too, right? Yes, so there like is. if you fuse on a certain day, you get bonuses. Obviously, you get bonuses depending on your social links. I kind of. It's interesting you say that about Yukiko and Fire. Like I have noticed that she's primarily my healer when I'm running dungeons. Yeah. And I like a good yeah. mix of elemental stuff, but primarily physical attacks. And Chie for me is like my full on like tank character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and usually I have Yusuke. What's his name? The other dude. Yosuke. Yosuke. That's it. As a kind of jack of all trades type dude. But I have my favorite persona. Like the I'm the Archangel, I, that's the one I use most regularly. But I'm a bit gutted because now I, through fusing and social links, I have others that are much higher ranked. Yeah. So I'm kind of torn now between like my loyalty to the Archangel character. Cause <laughs> I, I yeah, it it's not as highly ranked, but it perfectly fits the way I want to play and like has a diverse amount of kind of powers and stuff. But I uh, I I like this whole. This is what I love about the game and the combat. It, it you you can't kind of stick to one yeah. persona or you'll get left behind so i'm kind of it, it forces you to adapt to a degree and, i think and it lets you carry fusion. over a couple of skills which is cool yeah well that's really cool so like when you fuse personas you can you can carry over certain things so yeah it, it depends how you want your character to play i would yeah. say and if you kind of have a, another character who you have in your party who you you say all right this person will be my healer then i would say don't bother fusing person p- personas and carrying over healing abilities you know yeah so um, yeah i agree with that the only the only issue i had with personas at all was a reluctance to get rid of my base one cuz i assumed yeah. that was the one most intricately linked to my character yeah is anagi He's yeah, the he's the pers- he's the persona that he uses in Persona Four Arena. Yeah, in the fighting game. So yeah, so I didn't really want to get rid of that one, but at some point I was just like, all right, I guess I'm going Forced to. Forced to. Then- yeah, that's what I mean, right? It forces your hand. You kind of have to make the decision. Like, I'm gonna have to drop my favorite one soon because I'm just not not carrying yeah. cutting not cutting the weight. Exactly. And as far as how often I do it, I actually do it quite often because I want to make sure that. I have enough free spaces every time I go back right. into a dungeon. Exactly. That's the other thing that really stresses me out is like when you get them in the shuffle time thing and you don't have enough space to hold one over. And then especially if I get a new persona, I feel like I've got to keep it because that will open up new fusing opportunities for me. And then you're obviously forced to drop one if you can't carry any more because your inventory is maxed out. Don't forget the compen- the fuck the <laughs> don't forget the database where you can bring personas back. So. Yeah. You never really lost any. Do you have to go register them there, or as soon as you get them, are they registered? I think you have to register them there. I'm not certain, though. I've been lax on doing that. I need to. Yeah, I've missed yeah. a lot then. Every time I go to the Velvet Room, I register whatever I got. Uh, our next email comes in from Dustin. It says, uh, yo, yo, I forgot how awesome Persona games are, even though <laughs> the only one I've played is Persona 3 FES on PS2 and did everything in it. 
<laughs> that's a lot of game. Yeah. Uh, I've uh, had Persona 4 Golden in my backlog ever since I picked up my Vita probably a couple years ago and just never got around to uh, got around to it until now with your show giving me the nudge I needed. Uh, right now in the game, I'm playing on hard mode like I did with Persona 3, and the game will punish you if you make mistakes. The first couple of dungeons were pretty brutal, and I had to go and had to do some grinding, but I did manage to advance instead of starting over. I didn't want to uh, uh, do that long intro again, so that's good. But now I have a groove down, and I just rescued... Well, I'm not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> I just rescued somebody uh, from somewhere. Um. Oh God. Okay. Well, all right. We're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to skip that. Unfortunately. Editing uh, on the fly. Yeah. Uh, yep. My first impression. <laughs> my first impression of the game is I miss Persona Three. Uh, I. I th- I think I liked the setting of the dormitory and the characters you established social links a lot better. Uh, and uh, call me morbid, but I liked summoning personas with a gun to your head instead of the flick of a tarot card. Uh, I like the idea of the 13th hour better uh, than the midnight channel uh, that you enter during the day that takes up precious social link time. Uh, don't get me wrong, I am enjoying the game, this game a lot uh, right now, and it's getting me pumped for Persona 5. Uh, the battle system is great, and the social aspect of the game is really enjoyable. I just, I think I just need uh, to grow my uh, social links out more uh, since all of them started, uh, since all of them are just starting out. I will be trying to max out uh, all of them without a guide, so I might mess things up. But I think Golden gives you an extra month or something to tie some loose ends up. And a buddy said, uh, look at a guide when you hit December 3rd so I can get the quote-unquote true ending. So I'll have to remember that. If I miss a bunch of things, I could always go into New Game Plus on Very Easy and just blow through the game again to see the parts that I've missed. I know it's a long way out, but since you guys have been discussing your next game already, I have heard a lot of games that are in my backlog as well. I could go for Planescape Torment, Folklore, Legend of Dragoon, Persite Eve 2, Valkyria Chronicles 2. Some other ones that I would highly recommend would be Star Ocean 2, Tales of Symphonia, Hybrid Heaven. Okay, I'm not playing Hybrid Heaven. I'm just going to say that right now. Can I just say that if you are going to play Folklore, I really want to play that game, so I want to reserve my spot now. <laughs> then you may be playing <laughs> our next game, because I think we're going to do Folklore next. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Um, Fire Emblem, Shining Force 2, Lunar 2. I could go on forever, but regardless of what you pick, I'm sure I'll be playing a lot of games with you uh, this month. Till next time, uh, Dustin. P.S. Episode 12.7. Which is also Xeno Gears. <laughs> people, people will not give up. True, See, true. You're gonna have you, to spend at gotta, some point. You oh. gotta, you gotta finish that after we've done Persona, and then we'll come back and do folklore. <sighs> the fans demand it of you, buddy. Well, they do, but I'm sorry. And our final email uh, comes in from Jamie. Well, he he did mention one thing in there that we didn't touch on, which was the very long intro. If you want to say you you spend a lot of Persona Four before you hit a real dungeon. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, three hours time. at least. It took a long time just to even get to fighting something in that game. Yeah. But um, yeah, Jamie writes in says hello all. I started Persona Four. 
with only an understanding that there were TVs involved or and something about people getting killed by monsters within them or something like that. And also that is a was a really and also that it was a really long it was really long. Excuse me, I can't read. So I don't know so I don't I didn't really know what to expect from it to be honest. Uh, now that I'm a little bit into it, the premise actually doesn't seem that strange. I actually quite enjoy it. I mean, anytime you get to go through a portal, whether it be TV, wardrobe, or actual portal, and uh, live a double life is fun, right? I really like how literal the premise is, that we can use different personas with people, and uh, we strengthen different personas with relationships. It's interesting. Everyone is a little different when they hang out with different friends. So that part of it's pretty cool. Anyways, I really do enjoy this game when I'm in a dungeon. All right, let, let me read that again. Anyways, I really do enjoy this game ellipses when I'm in a dungeon. Those are some fun times. It reminds me of final fantasy, but it's different enough that it's fun to explore the different things the characters and personas can do. It sounds silly, but I enjoy it when my characters are throwing out comments during battle. I get into it a little bit more. It's it's And it's nice and unlike Final Fantasy, you can see the monsters coming instead of just randomly going into battle mode. Yeah, I still hate random battles. I hate random battle encounters. <laughs> uh, that was one part about Final Fantasy that drove me mad. What if I just wanted to skirt around that enemy? As I said before, I understand the idea behind relationships and gaining stats from learning things or from a club affiliation. But I would like if these didn't last so long. I don't know how long it's been since I was in a dungeon and I'm <laughs> all I'm doing is going to drama club, playing soccer or folding envelopes, although I do like how they work in a source of extra cash. Maybe I'm playing the game wrong, but it seems like everyday boring stuff when, as I said before, the cool part is going through the TV. Basically, I'm sitting here hoping someone gets kidnapped watching the damn forecast <laughs> and seeing nothing but sunny days. I think Sophie mentioned to be, I think so, Sophie mentioned uh, to be that there are ways to unlock other dungeons, which is just, which is interesting. But I decided to play this game blind. I'm just going to do what I think is interesting and see what people, hang on a second. Uh, and uh, and see what happens. Uh, it's just that soccer drama and envelope folding can be dull. Uh, long email short, I like the action bits. I'm getting bored of the rest, but overall I'm interested enough in the mystery bits to keep slogging through the boring bits. Lastly, I'm not playing the Golden Edition. I'm not sure what that... What that oh, classic. Yeah. So I, I suppose uh, I'll find out from listening to the podcast. Also, I decided to play on beginner due to the fact that I didn't want to spend hours fighting bosses since it's is already a long game. And I'm glad I did because the variance between the difficulty of smaller monsters versus bosses seems pretty extreme. I can kill every small monster with one hit all the way to the boss, then die pretty quickly. <laughs> Not a complaint, just an observation. For the record, I have a theory that some form of subliminal messaging coming from the television is pulling people in or hypnotizing people to do it to others. Update. It's been a week since I wrote this. Unfortunately, I still really dislike the time between dungeons. 
Uh, but I actually think this has to do with the me playing on beginner. It only took me two visits to the castle to beat, so that basically two days. Uh, but if I had to work on it multiple times, I would have had hard. I would have had way more dungeon time and far less downtime. So if I if I would have played on normal, maybe instead of days of boring, it would have been days of battle. Who knows? Anyways, I'm 11, I'm 11 hours in. I'm finally getting to the next kidnapping since Yukiko. Looking forward to hearing all your thoughts. Yeah, I'd say basically I, I go into each dungeon three times. The first time when you essentially automatically go in. Yeah. Then probably sometime in the next week to two weeks just as a, all right, I'll go back in and, and level up and get some money so I Keep can your buy some yeah. And then usually – the last time you go in, I think you have to start back at floor one. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if if you if you go in a second time, make it to floor eight or so, you can go back the next day and start at eight. So you're only fighting those bosses or the, the, those those enemies. Uh, but really, it, it, I'd say three times. Maybe I go in a fourth time just if I need if I I guess I have nothing else to do socially. Yeah. But but at least three big times. So yeah, I mean she's right. If you if you'd never had to level up, I might not go in that middle time. Yeah. But yeah, that's about it. Covered a good amount. Got a lot Big of emails. Episode. Yeah. If you guys would like to send more emails, it's drew at ztgd.com. Um, and uh, you can also suggest games to us and stuff like that. Tell us about Persona. Um, you can also follow us all on Twitter. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS, and Sophie is at SM, S. SM, right? Yep. Halliday. Halliday. There we go. Uh, and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Um, I think that's it. We're going to be back. Hopefully, apparently, next week. I'm going to be angry. <laughs> you? Uh, well, I don't know if it happens this. Oh, okay. Time. I hope not. I mean, no, it I, probably doesn't. D- I'm de- depending on how far we make it. You you may you may see some more stuff regarding what happened with Kanji at the beginning. Okay. Um, but I'll, we'll, we'll, I'll prepare myself mentally. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> but uh, that's it for us. I do appreciate everybody listening. Uh, and we hopefully will be back next week to talk about more Persona Four. Uh, but until then, I am Drew. And I'm, I'm Sophie. Oh, <laughs> oh, there it is. I knew it was happening. Exactly. <laughs> Perfect. You know these guys. We're going to get out of here. I hope you guys have a great week, and we will be back next week with more Persona 4 Golden.
Yeah, the true artist. So let's get it. Yeah, let's see what we can uncover. Let's get it.